Native New Life Fellowship of Anchorage presents Native New Life Radio. This weekly meeting features Alaska Natives sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Join us now for Native New Life Radio. I'm happy, oh so happy, for a new life in Him. I'm a child of the King. From the snowy mountain top to the deep blue sea, across the rolling tundra where the rivers run so free, I will tell the wondrous story of Christ and Calvary. He means everything to me. Father, we thank you for uh, this beautiful day. We thank you for giving us another opportunity to praise you here tonight and worship you. We thank you for all the provisions that you give to each and every one of us. And we thank you how you teach us through your Holy Spirit, how you teach us to understand your word and spread your word to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life is like a mountain railroad With an engine that's brave We must make a run successful From the cradle to the grave Watch the curve that fills the tunnel 
never potter, never the throttle and your eye upon the rail blessed Savior thou will guide us till we reach that blissful shore where the angels wait to join us in thy pride Rage of trial, you will cross the bridge of strife. He that cries is your conductor on this lightning train of life. Always mindful of obstruction. Do your
drops of grief can ever repay the debt of love I owe. Time for our testimonies and specials. I'll call on um, Russ and his wife. Can you guys come up first while I get everyone together? Russ and I have been going to quite a few funerals lately, and today we went to one. And I um, got a message before I came, and uh, the message was regarding uh, the salvation of this person that had passed away. I'd spoken to this person about salvation years ago and um, I could I knew that she was a believer and at that time what I knew is that John 316 when I spoke to her I, I knew John 316 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and I knew that if we believe in Jesus, that the pr- word of God promises that we will go to heaven. We'll have eternal life. And that's what I knew. And so I had spoken to this friend about that. And she did believe in Jesus, that Jesus lived and died for her sake and rose again. And, and she believed it. And she said that she was a Christian. She believed it. And she was kind, and she helped many people. Her name was Jancis. And I could think about how glad I am that we had those types of conversations before it was too late. And it just made me think, just like we hear so many times, the importance in these days of really talking to those that are close to us, those that we meet, do you believe in Jesus? Do you, have you receive Jesus into your life? Do, do you accept our Lord as your Savior? And making sure in these days, very sure, that they know the Lord. And I'm just thankful that we've got that. Yeah, good evening, everybody. I'm Russ Osterhaus, and I'm originally from Dillingham. And uh, this is my wife, Jana. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome wonder, consider all thy world thy hands have made. I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God. To thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, when through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the Sing sweetly in the trees. Amen. Praise the Lord. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think that God, He's some not sparing, sent Him to die. I scarce can take it in That on the cross My burden gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Amen. Praise the Lord. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee Amen how great thou sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art Amen God bless everybody next I'll have uh, Esther come up and share and after her will be my uh, two sisters there. I already forgot their names. Earlier I came uh, in the car. My time is an hour ahead. So I sat out there and said, are they going to have it? Then I took my cell phone and looked at the time. 605 <laughs> But praise God, I'm here, and um, I've been going back and forth from Buffalo. I come and babysit my grandchild, so I've been here. But I tell my friends, um, if my husband wasn't working at airlines, I wouldn't be coming back and forth. But praise God, he does, and there's a purpose for that, and... Um, I get to spend uh, my time with my family at home and come be with the grandchild here. Um, I'll sing a chorus, and I translate it. It's every day with Jesus. Every day with Jesus, it's sweeter than the day before. Every 
saying uh, he forgot our names. So I said, um, we're her and her. <laughs> her and her. <laughs> um, praise God, I, I am, I'm always, I'm real easy to laugh. I'm, I'm a person that loves to laugh. And um, I, I choose to be that way. <laughs> so don't do anything funny because I'll laugh. <laughs> but today, I was just exciting in my devotion. I was so excited. And it was about laughter. And I started to laugh in my bedroom all by myself because I began to see why um, laughter is so important in our life. Laughter is a healing, amen, within our soul. And uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and I was like, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord. It's my healing every day. So as today was going on, uh, little things my, uh, my family was doing, and I'd laugh, and my daughter would go, what? Nothing? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. It's so good to know that we can serve the Lord in our, in our own ways. Yeah, in our own ways, the Lord accepts that. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Good evening. Can I share a couple verses from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35? It says this, Then Peter opened his mouth. How many times you opened your mouth today and said something? Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, did you share the word of God today? <laughs> I'm sure you did. Maybe on Facebook like I like to do or, you know, with friends or whomever. But this is what... Uh, Acts 10 34 says then Peter opened his mouth and said in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him that's the new King James version let me try to read the amplified Opening his mouth, Peter said, Most certainly I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. Today I'm very grateful that he accepted us way up here in the Arctic, wherever you may be, the Lord's accept, accepted us all because of his son, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Here's a simple song that Bird and I will try to share with you tonight. The print is so tiny. Our eyes are not as young as they used to be. So bear with us in our, in our squinting. <laughs> I'm Roberta Thomas, and this is Donna. Donna. Ooh, <laughs> we sang this song last night at a church. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. 
Today we spent some time with my father. He's 87 years old, and、uh, we spent quite a bit of a day with the ER in the ER with him. But he is fine. So it's been so wonderful to sit here tonight to listen to hear the songs and the testimonies. It's very refreshing. So thank you, Native New Life. Not my father, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Next, I'll call on、um, is it Hillary and Ida disappeared. Maybe I'll call her after. Hello.、Uh, as you said, my name is Hillary. I'm going to sing、um, Heaven's Point of View. Today I faced a mountain that I had no strength to climb. And the struggle of this journey's left me weak, both in body and in mind. From where I stand to the peak is a distance on my own I cannot reach. So this journey of a thousand steps begins. Right here on my knees. Soon I'll soar like an eagle, high on wings of grace, far into the heavens where I can almost see God's face. Rising in a splendor to heights I never knew. What once looked like a mountain's just a hill from heaven's point of view. I may face things tomorrow. I can't comprehend today. Circumstances so uncertain make it hard to find the strength to pray. But I'm living in the promise. I'll never leave you. I'll always see you through. So what's this mountain to an eagle flying high from heaven's point of view? Soon I'll soar like an eagle. Of grace, far into the heavens, where I can almost see 
God's face, rising in a splendor to heights I never knew. What once looked like a mountain's just a hill. From heaven's point of view. Good to be here once again. And, you know, living from day to day depending on the Lord. And I'm always be very thankful that he's just only a prayer away when you call on him. So, um, the song I'd like to share is entitled uh, New Jerusalem. Last Thursday I sang about Jerusalem, now I'll sing about New Jerusalem. <laughs> I will sing you a song of the New Jerusalem, the Home of the soul, where no storms ever beat on that glittering strand, and the years of eternity roll. Oh, how sweet it will be in that beautiful sickness and sorrow comes no more. We will all meet someday in that home far away in the new Jerusalem. Oh, the gates are of pearl and the streets are of Never grow old. We will all meet someday in that home far away in the new Jerusalem. Oh, how sweet it will be in that beautiful home where sick. Comes no more. We will all meet someday in that home far away in the new Jerusalem. One time our pastor was um, saying that when, when they talk about uh, Gates of Pearl, and he said, there must be a very big oyster created that pearl big enough to be gates. <laughs> okay, the last song. Jesus suffered, bled, and died on the cross crucified to save a poor sinner like me. Now he sits on his throne and 
Mama's home in the New Jerusalem. Oh, how sweet it will be in the beautiful home where sickness and sorrow comes no more. We will all meet someday. In that home far away, in the new Jerusalem. All right, are you going to come up? Um, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to sing, okay? Seem like um, I go through a lot. I've been through a lot lately, but... I always thank God for bringing me through this storm. Only God can make a way. And Lord, I, Lord God, I ask you to have your way in what, we, in what we go through. Sometimes we wonder how come we go through these things, but only you know God, and we thank you for them. Amen. No 
teardrops, no bad toys, cause your answer is coming, you just hold on to Jesus, ride out your him oh but you're not alone you're hurting now but your morning is coming you just hold on to Jesus right Thank you, everyone, for sharing tonight. Our guest speaker for the evening called me this morning and told me that um, he had um, agreed to speak here. We forgetting about having agreed to um, lead somewhere else this evening. He hadn't read, written it down by the time I called him. He, he had forgotten it and agreed to speak here. But I'd like to share a chapter out of this book, that, uh, a chapter that really touched my heart about three years ago, not too long after we moved here. In my hunger for some understanding or for more word from God, I bought this book titled The Resolution for Men. And it is written by um, brothers named Stephen and Alex Kendrick. And the title of the um, chapter that I would like to share with you is called A Lifelong Vision of Fatherhood. And the um, verse that it comes with is found in Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Here's the beginning. I imagine that you are sleeping, or imagine that you are sleeping one night, and God visits you in a dream. He says, come with me, I want to show you something. In an instant, you find yourself in a dark and dirty room you've never seen before. Glancing around, you see piles of soiled clothes and garbage everywhere. The stench is almost unbearable. Suddenly, you see movement in the shadows 
a feeble old man crouched in a corner alone, gasping for air and then vomiting on the floor. Disgusted, you turn to the Lord and ask, Who is that? He says, I want you to consider this man, Timothy, for there are many like him on the earth. He is a wicked and foolish man like his father was, hating me and always turning toward evil. God then begins showing you vivid moments throughout the timeline of Timothy's life from beginning to end. You become aware of his illegitimate conception, his unwanted birth, and the poverty and pain resulting from his father's negligence and rejection. You see the hurt in Timothy's eyes as a child. His heart gradually fills with anger, then hardens with bitter hatred, then rages with wholehearted rebellion. You shake your head as you watch him grow up to reject all manner of wisdom and warning that God mercifully sends into his life to rescue him, rebelling against every authority, scorning every loving rebuke, resisting repeated invitations to turn his life around. You can't help but look away as he violates the purity of several young girls during his youth. Daring to turn back, you see the expected results as he fathers, abuses, and then abandons his own children throughout the years. You witness Timothy repeatedly stealing, squandering, leading others astray, rejecting all forms of responsibility, and taking greedy advantage of others. Always running from the truth, his is a life of violence, perversion, addictions, and drunkenness. And though tormented cruelly by his demons, he responds by raising his fist against God, cursing his name, and recklessly living out his days, destroying his own life as well as those around him. Each decade unfolds before you like one nightmare after another, each with increasingly greater consequences, a rising wake of destruction that ripples out over time, bringing nothing but pain and suffering to the people in his path. He squanders every day of his existence like diamonds slipping through his fingers until his biography finally runs out and catches up to his present heartbeat, the way you first saw him, old, dirty, and degraded beyond recognition. As you watch him now wallowing on the floor, you see the emptiness and evil in his eyes and become fully aware that the wages of Timothy's sin is death in every, every area of his life. Here in his final chapter, you share in God's righteous anger while mourning the loss of what could have been. Then the Lord speaks again. Tomorrow on his 66th birthday, the days of my mercy for Timothy will end. 
and I will require of him his sinful and unrepented life. He will die here alone. And no one will mourn his passing. What then, you ask? He has rejected me and the offering of my son. And he will be judged according to the standards of my holy word. He will be cast into outer darkness to join his father in torment. You tremble as you hear these words, but feel a heightened awareness of God's perfect justice, knowing it is righteously executed. You ask, what good, what good could come from my seeing this man's life, Lord? The grief on God's countenance begins to change into hope. He looks into your eyes and a warm smile awakens on his face. I want to show you what my grace can do. What do you mean? You have seen where Timothy is. Now I want you to experience his life as he should have lived it, as if he and his father had both obeyed me completely. You understand that the wages of sin leads to death, but I want you to know the results of righteousness as well. Instantly you travel with the Lord many decades back in time and find yourself standing in the back of an old country church as the service is concluding. As you gaze around the one-room building, the clothes of those in the congregation remind you of those your great-grandparents wore in photos you had seen as a child. Your attention is drawn to a young man with a crew cut in a military uniform sitting on the back row. He is whispering into the air of somewhat scantily dressed young woman seated next to him. Who is that, Lord, you ask? That is Timothy's father, James. When he was a young man, today was the day he hardened his heart and walked away from me. But you will see him respond differently to my grace in this vision. Suddenly, the rising voice of the guest preacher echoes from behind the pulpit. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. As he passionately calls on everyone with ears to hear to turn from their sin, the congregation stands and the small choir begins to sing the first stanza of Amazing Grace. Your eyes fix on James as he crosses his arms and clenches his jaw, stone-faced. But then something happens. His countenance changes. He lowers his eyes, thinking soberly. He looks up again, watching people slip one by one from their seats and approach the front of the church, kneeling to pray, hungry to get right with God. Now is the day of salvation, the preacher pleadingly declares. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from your presence of the Lord. Come to Christ while you still have the chance. It is time for you to choose. James begins to tremble and wipe tears from his eyes. Then, contrary to anything he had done in the past, he too steps out, slowly walks to the prayer altar near the front of the church, and kneels down. All other sounds in the room fade in the distance, and you can hear every word of his humble prayer. There is is so much sincerity in his voice as he cries out to God for help, for forgiveness. He prays to be saved and expresses his faith in the death of God's Son. Then after a brief moment of silence, James stands up and sighs deeply. As he turns and walks back to his seat, you see a difference in his countenance, something that wasn't there before, peace and hope. And you become constantly, consciously aware that everything once established about this young man's future is about to unfold in a very different way. Time races, your mind begins begins to flood with images of James's life as his story is rewritten before your eyes. Rather than violating Lily, the young girl seated next to him on the back row of the church, then abandoning her with Timothy in her womb, you see James share his newfound faith with her instead. She soon embraces his faith as her own, and they talk with the pastor and are both baptized. With childlike belief, they begin rebuilding their relationship with a renewed commitment to purity, honor, and sincere love. You watch James talk with Lily's father and then marry her with the complete support of their parents and their new church home. You see them launch into married life with God's blessing and a strong foundation of faith. Every week, James and Lily grow spiritually as they worship God, listen to the teaching of his word, fellowship with other believers, and spend time alone in prayer. While reading the Bible one morning, James learns that he is to love his wife like Jesus loves the church. He realizes that God has called him to be the spiritual leader of his home and prays for God to show him what that means. And the more he obeys the scriptures, the more James matures spiritually and his mind is renewed. He begins to discern what is right and wrong in his life and also in the example his own parents left him while he was growing up. Having been wounded deeply by his father, you see James battle with his resentment and then completely forgive forgive his dad from his heart. This brings an incredible new freedom from bitterness that had haunted him since his youth. He then asks God to break any destructive chains remaining in his life that had been passed down from his family's history. 
You feel his joy and liberation as God begins giving him personal breakthroughs on a consistent basis. James and Lily establish better habits and begin new family traditions in their home. Sundays become days of rest and worship. They begin making all of their major decisions together in prayer. When disagreements and hurts arise, they quickly work through them and forgive each other. James listens more lovingly to Lily's ideas and requests as he increasingly respects and trusts his leadership decisions. Then it happens, after months of asking God to bless them with a child, you hear Lily announce to James that she is pregnant. Thrilled beyond measure, James thanks God for this priceless gift. He and Lily begin to pray daily for the Lord to bless, protect, and use this child for his honor. You watch with intrigue as you see the significant difference in Timothy's beginning from what you had seen in the earlier vision of his life. He is now being born into a strong, God-honoring family where his mother and father deeply love him and one another. Your mind jumps ahead to see James and Lily bringing Timothy before their church family and dedicating him to God. You feel their shared sense of in inadequacy as they pray with their pastor for the daily wisdom and guidance to raise Timothy well and to train him in the way he should go. You smile as James looks in wonder at his son's tiny face and holds him proudly in his arms. As you see Timothy grow, you can tell he feels emotionally secure and know he is loved. You see the amazing balance of a child's mom and dad teaming up together each day to give their son the kind of solid upbringing he needs. His mother's comfort and warnings, matched with his father's encouragement and discipline, develop a loyal and loving respect in his heart for them. He hears his father reading the scriptures aloud at home and discovers at an early age that God created him in his image and wants to have a relationship with him. You enjoy watching James wrestle with his son on the floor, teach him how to tie his shoe and ride a bicycle. You see him carry Timothy on his shoulders around town. This is my son. He's a great little champ, isn't he? Many of the things James says or does for Timothy are now inspired by what he wished he had experienced from his own dad while growing up. As Timothy grows, you observe James using the Ten Commandments to show him right from wrong and how to treat others. Later, you see Timothy later convicted of his selfishness and disobedience as his father explains to him that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and only through him. Timothy sits wide-eyed in wonder when he hears his dad describe the amazing sacrifice Jesus made willingly on a cross 
in order to pay for our sins. Then you later see Timothy with childlike faith give his heart and submit his life to Jesus Christ in prayer. You share in the joy of watching him being baptized in their church. His parents see a clear change in him over the next few months. His conscience becomes tender. His willingness to obey grows. His longing to love God and others increases. James is always there to keep Timothy growing in a godly direction, using the events of every day to teach his son character and the lessons of a responsible life. While driving past a homeless man sleeping on the street, he challenges him with the importance of working hard while also showing compassion for the poor. Both at home and at the church, he shows him how to open the door for a lady and to stand in the presence of the elderly. After a thief breaks into their house while they were away, he shares with Timothy lessons about forgiveness, honesty, and why we lay up our treasures in heaven. One day, Timothy walks in the kitchen to see his father holding and kissing his mother. You smile as you watch James turn and wink at Timothy. Son, when you get married, don't forget to kiss your wife and tell her you love her every day. It will help her stay beautiful like mommy. Timothy decides, even as an eight-year-old, that he wants to grow up and get married to someone with a radiant countenance like his mother. Though he realizes more and more that his parents are imperfect and often fail one another, he sees them quickly work through their differences together, forgive and learn from each other's, each other's mistakes. Several years later, James takes his son along a business trip, and during their long drive, he explains to him the facts of life. You hear James emphasize with wisdom and care the importance of living with sexual purity. He explains how to treat a young lady as someone's future wife rather than the object of lust for him to undress with his eyes. Did you you and mom sin in that way before you got married? Timothy asks. You can see the grief on James' face. Yes, son, I'm sad to say we did. You can't imagine, though, how badly we wish we hadn't. But after we became Christians, we stopped doing that and made our sexual relationship something beautiful again by saving it until our marriage, like God's word commands. James paused to let his, this sink in then adds a personal charge forged from his own experience. You have to keep special things special, son. Don't treat the holy and priceless things of life like they're common and cheap. I want you to learn from our mistakes so you can avoid them. I want you to be able to tell your children that you kept yourself pure pure until your wedding day out of your obedience to God and your love for your wife. Yes, sir, I will, Timothy replies, and you know he means it. This heart-to-heart, man-to-young-man moment begins to define how they interact with each other as Timothy grows. 
making him desire to live up to his dad's example and expectations. You see scriptures being read with James's eyes and then quickly spoken into the ears of his son. When Timothy is alone, you hear the words of his father echo in his memory and counsel him during his decisions. Keep your promises no matter how hard, son, and be faithful with the little things, especially when no one is watching. Treat everyone you meet with kindness, respect, and compassion. Know what you believe, why you believe it, and be ready to defend it. Do your work with all your heart and with excellence as unto the Lord, not men. Be willing to stand alone for what's right, regardless of what your friends do or say. Timothy continues to see in James the kind of man who's the real deal. People say, a guy who will give you the shirt off his back. Timothy even picks up his father's love for reading and begins to learn about heroic, honorable men from the scriptures and later history. He feels challenged by their stories, not wanting to be as vain, wasteful, and irresponsible as so many of his peers. When he talks with his dad about this, James puts his arms around him and tells him how proud he is of Timothy's maturity and character. This moment prompts the idea, how about if the two of them start memorizing scripture each week as a way to help them stay challenged and grow stronger together? Timothy loves the idea. It reminds him how much his dad loves him. It makes him feel like a man. Then when Timothy turns 15, James takes him through a rite of passage to call him into manhood. James drives Timothy to a campsite where he asks several other men to come spend a day with them. Speaking into Timothy's life about what it means to be a godly man of integrity, Timothy listens, absorbing and cherishing every word. At the end of the day, after a special outdoor dinner, James stands up in front of their family and friends, turns to his son and says, Timothy, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Today I acknowledge you as a man. You are fully accountable now to read, obey, and honor God and his word from this day forward. God has created you for a special purpose and has great things in store for you in the days ahead. His voice begins to tremble with pride as he finishes. And I want everyone to know that I love you, and I am very proud to be your father. A tear even wells up in your own eye as you hear the passion of a father's heart, freely pouring out unconditional love to his son. James then presents Timothy with a new Bible, as well as a surprised gift, a heavy gleaming steel sword, signifying his call to fight the good fight and to stand strong in his faith. James embraces his son as everyone cheers. You watch the other men gather around Timothy. They join his father in praying over him, boldly asking God to make him a strong, courageous, and successful man 
throughout his life. The man God made new at a little country church now has a new young man of his own. You feel honored to be here to see it. After this day, you can tell that Timothy's mindset changes. He stands taller and walks straighter. He begins to live filled by his father's blessing, and he quits worrying so much about what others think of him. He starts to study and meditate on the scriptures more deeply as he follows the example of Christ. He learns that God has not given him a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. He resolves diligently, seek out and do the will of God for his life. Tim flashes by as you see Timothy step up into manhood, do well, he'll do well in education, surround himself with friends and excel in employment. Wherever he works, his supervisors tend to favor him, amazed at how respectful, humble, and dependable he is. You then see Timothy kissing his bride at the marriage altar to the chairs of their families and friends. Timothy embraces his responsibilities as a Christian husband, becoming a model of what it means to provide, protect, and lead a man's family. You then share his joy as he and his wife begin having children. As a father, Timothy builds up the legacy his father had instilled in him, shepherding the hearts of his sons and daughters the way James had molded. Timothy becomes a leader in his church and community. His pastor entrusts responsibilities to him as a solid teacher and spiritual mentor to other families in their fellowship. As Timothy mentors his children, he calls them into adulthood and blesses them with his love, counsel, and support. Timothy's sons grow up to become heroic men of honor. Then the seasons change. Children get married and grandchildren arrive. As the time passes before your eyes, you see a family reunion filled with joy as a wise eight-year-old Timothy commands attention with his touching stories of faith and life's adventures. He is now able to hold and bless his great-grandchildren. All of them know they are loved, enjoying the rewards and security anchored in such a strong heritage of faith. Staring at his warm, weathered face, you can't help but respect this man who is so filled with his life, so grateful for God's blessing on his family, so rich in all the things that matter. As you consider the full epic of his story, you become fully aware that the wages of Timothy's life have brought immeasurable blessing and joy to his family, church, and community. Countless people have been helped by his example, teaching, and counsel. Many individuals have come to faith in God because of his te testimony and witness. You begin to hear the chairs of heaven celebrate as he takes his last breath in peace and is welcomed into his eternal home. You hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. At his funeral, the church filled with friends and family who gathered to mourn his loss and celebrate his life. You listen to people share seemingly endless stories with his family, expressing grateful for all that gratefulness for all that Timothy had done and meant to them. 
Inspired by historian with tears in your eyes, you smile as you deeply consider the awesome vision you have just experienced and the importance of your own role as a husband, father, and a father becomes crystal clear. Every man will truly reap what he sows. You had never understood it quite this clearly before, but now it has become the burning desire of your heart. Then a horrific thought comes to your mind. You turn to God and ask, Lord, which one is true? Which account is truly Timothy's end? The Lord looks into your eyes and the smile leaves, and the smile leaves his face. No, God, please don't tell me that everything I've just seen is gone and never happened. Lord, I care about this man and his family now. I beg you, please don't tell me the beauty and rewards of his life are lost, that he actually, the man you showed me at first. As you look into his eyes, your heart begins to ache with his. Now you share in the sorrow of what I feel every day, the Lord says, as I watch men waste their lives. Your eyes fill with tears as you grieve deeply and weep for the Lord. But they don't know, God. They don't realize how much is at stake here. They never seen what it really looks like. They haven't seen the difference. The way you've shown me here tonight. But you have. And if they will read my word, they can see it too. But if these stories are being written right now in the lives of fathers around the world, but what is important now is to resolve which man you will become. Will you turn from your sins and completely trust me with your life? Will you take responsibility to be who I have created you to be? Will you obey my word faithfully until the end of your death? You can resolve to be this kind of man and you can finish well. Or you can live for yourself and lose so many of the incredible rewards I have placed before you. But Lord, you say, I didn't have a father like Timothy had. My dad was nothing like James. I've missed out on so much. I was never loved, mentored, and blessed like that by my dad. Then the Lord says, Then you need to use the rest of your life to be the one who breaks the chain and creates a new legacy for your family. You have seen the past of both. It is now time for you to choose. That is the end. And the verse that it ends is from Deuteronomy 30. 19 to 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this story that you have shared with us this evening. I pray that it will 
touch those men and even those women that heard. I pray that they will also understand how it is important to be a father that leads their children to Christ as they are growing up and feed them with the truth as they spiritually grow. We pray for safety this week. We pray for safety as we go home. And bless us, bless each and every one of us here with your understanding of how to love one another and remind us with that word daily. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to Native New Life Radio presented by Native New Life Fellowship in Anchorage. You can contact Native New Life by writing to Anchorage Native New Life, P.O. Box 231148, Anchorage, Alaska 99523. Or visit the Native New Life website at www.nativenewlife.org. Native New Life Fellowship meets Monday evenings at 7 p.m. in the Changepoint Auditorium in Anchorage at Raspberry in Minnesota. Join us again next time for Native New Life Radio.